Philemon. And as I say, every time we uh, introduce a new book, uh, you can um, um, get copies of these outlines from all the other uh, books that we've done, including all the Old Testament books that we've done thus far, all the way up through Esther. Uh, if you just call my, uh, my secretary and say, hey, I want the I want the, uh, the outlines, whichever ones you need. But let me run through this with you. If you've got that before you, uh, let me just run through it with you, and then uh, I want to ask you a question as we begin this little book. And by the way, I typically in these uh, uh, overviews, I'll put in what I call significant passages. You see that on the back here. And then we'll take those significant passages from various chapters, like we did with Esther. Uh, we didn't... We didn't go verse by verse through the whole book. We pulled out chunks of the the book. In this case, we're just going to study the whole chapter uh, because it is um, it's just as easy for us to study this entire verse by verse uh, book. But a few things worth noting: Philemon is a book about reconciliation and relationships between Christians. Keep that in mind. You'll see that, of course, as we go through the book. Uh, as I said, it's Paul's shortest letter. It is a prison uh, epistle. That means that Paul wrote the letter from uh, prison. There were four prison epistles by Paul, uh, but this is the only one that is written directly to a person. Philemon, for example, if we, if we study the book of Galatians, what are we studying, class? We're studying Paul's letter to the church at Galatia, all right? Or Philippians, Paul's church, uh, a letter to the church at Philippi or at Ephesus. That, and this is the only letter Paul wrote that was directed to a specific person. And that is Philemon, but it was also, we've, we certainly uh, know, important to other believers to read just because some of the practical application that it has. It was written to Philemon concerning his former slave Onesimus, who had evidently run away uh, and, uh, and had subsequently become a Christian under Paul's uh, ministry. Now, here's the interesting thing. There are all kinds of theories about what, what happened, why he ran away. Uh, there, I mean, there are a multitude of different theories. I chose not to say, let's talk about all the different theories, because frankly, uh, we don't know. But we just know that he ran away. And uh, we feel like because of some things Paul says in this letter, he had stolen, he was a slave, and he had stolen from his master, and then he ran away. And we'll uh, talk about some of those periphery matters as well. Uh, you notice Paul does not address the reason that Onesimus ran away, and he, uh, nor does he sanction slavery. There are some folks who see this book and say, well, this is... This isn't right. Paul didn't address slavery. Well, actually, I'm going to show you that Paul does address it uh, in this case. He certainly does not affirm it uh, whatsoever. Um, it existed widely at the time Paul wrote this letter, but he in no way affirms it. In fact, I think he makes the case against it, and you'll see why from theological, uh, a theological perspective. Paul's main reason for writing is to encourage Philemon to restore his relationship with Onesimus. And, and here's part of the theology of it we'll get to later. But he encourages him to restore his relationship with Onesimus as a beloved brother in Christ and not as a slave. 
In our words, Paul says, take him back, but not as a slave, take him as a brother in Christ and, uh, and not as a slave. We'll talk about that as we go into uh, the book. He is to receive him graciously and to extend to him forgiveness. Uh, next, you see, Philemon himself was a well-to-do member of the church at Colossae. Now, if you want to know about the church uh, that is connected with Philemon, go read the book of Colossians, okay? That's the church that Philemon is a well-to-do uh, member of. The letter m was most likely de delivered by Tychicus, who was also kind of a courier, we believe, delivering uh, letters from Paul both to Ephesus and Colossae, the church as well. The letter addresses Christian relationships as they should be, not as they were. And then last under that section, Paul uses a theological approach toward slavery by pointing to Onesimus as a new brother in Christ as opposed to a slave to a former master. The author, well, the author is Paul, and it is accepted that Paul is not only author, but he is a very close friend of Philemon. You'll see that as we begin studying the first verses. There are no serious challenges to Pauline authorship. That means you don't, you, even liberal scholars, you, whoever you want to, conservative scholars, they all agree this, is, this came from the Apostle Paul. There's no real debate or discussion about that. Now, when did he write? Paul wrote to Philemon during his first imprisonment under house arrest in Rome during the reign of Nero. Nero was a bad dude, but Paul was under house arrest. Now, this is his first imprisonment in Rome, which, by the way, is about 1,300 miles from the church at Colossae where Philemon was and where Onesimus had run away. But Paul is in Rome. He is under house arrest. This means that he had a lot of liberty. He was, it, it, it's like house arrest today. You know, today they put, a, I think, an ankle thing on, on them. And um, that's what, that's kind of the way Paul had it. He had some, there were, that we're told that there were guards who monitored, monitored what he did and he was restricted. You know, he couldn't just do anything or travel anywhere but he had some freedom, and that's why he was able to do some ministry beyond just writing, which is, I tell you that, which is probably how he came across Onesimus in the first place. Either because he was such a good friend of Philemon, it is possible that Paul had met Onesimus back at Colossae. And then when Onesimus escaped, he went to Rome, and quite likely he ran into Paul accidentally, or he went to Rome seeking out Paul because he knew Paul knew Philemon and hoping that he could uh, patch things up with uh, Philemon. So uh, the time frame of the writing was 80, 60, but most say somewhere between 60 and 63 uh, is the time frame. What are the key themes in Philemon? Forgiveness and grace. These are huge. The value of relationships, um, love and spiritual refreshment, uh, how the Christian responds to being wrong. Those are key themes in this one um, uh, small letter. Look on the back for geography and history, 
Colossae was uh, in the Roman province of Southwest Asia Minor. This is not too terribly far away from where the seven churches in Revelation uh, were. And so uh, it's in that general, in, in Southwest um, uh, 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 Asia Minor or Turkey. According to ancient uh, Greek historian Herodotus, when uh, uh, the Persian king Xerxes came to Colossae, Colossae it was this mega city, all right? That's in the Old Testament time, okay? That's not this time, but it had been this massive mega city uh, in the Old Testament. It was situated in the region known as Fergia and was a trading center at a crossroads on the main highway from Ephesus leading to the east. So it, had, it was on a commerce route is what it was, which is probably why at one point in time it had been such a, a massive uh, city. Colossae and Laodicea share, uh, shared in the wool trade. Um, and that is where its name is derived. Colossae is derived from the Latin uh, word for colosinius, meaning purple wool. And so that's where its name kind of uh, came from. During Paul's time, and at this writing, the city of Colossae had shrunk. It was a, a small city, uh, city not that uh, significant any longer in the empire. Uh, it included a met mix of ethnicities, Greeks, Romans, and transplanted Jews, uh, Paul had uh, uh, some significant ministry there and, um, and most likely preached to all of these different groups of people. Here's how I outlined this uh, chapter for you. There's the introduction, verses 1 to 3. There's Paul's prayer, verses 4 to 6, and we'll look at each of these. There's Paul's praise in verse 7, Paul's petition in verses 8 to 16, which is kind of the meat of this uh, this letter. In verses 17 to 19, we see Paul's promise, then Paul's perspective, and then Paul's postscript, the, the end of the, the letter. Significant passages, well, we're going to do the whole chapter, but verses 7 and 20 talk about spiritual refreshment. Verses 15 and 16 about God's providence. We talked a lot about that in Esther, didn't we? We're going to see it resurface here. Verse 16, about brotherly love. Verse 17, about gospel partnerships. To me, uh, perhaps the key uh, verse in the entire passage is uh, verse 6, and, um, and we can uh, talk about that later as well. Uh, what application would I summarize in uh, regard to the book? Uh, even though this is a short letter, it's full of practical spiritual truth. I think you'll see that as we go along. It teaches us how to forgive those who have wronged us and how to renew fellowship. It also teaches us that our relationship in Christ is more important than any kinds of earthly designations about who we are and who we belong to, those sorts of things. So I think you're going to enjoy this letter. Remember the difference in this letter from all the other letters that Paul wrote is that it is directed to a person, but that doesn't mean it doesn't have broad application and practical spiritual truth for us, okay? So think of it that way. So I want to begin tonight. We've got about 15 minutes. I want to ask you something. Let me get us up here on the screen. Uh, 
Okay, this is the question I want to start with tonight. I want to ask you something. How should you respond to an offender? A person has offended you. Have, has anybody in here ever been offended by somebody? Anybody? Hold your hands up if you've been offended by somebody. Okay. Uh, probably in the last week you've been offended by somebody. And sometimes we're offended by things that we probably shouldn't be offended by. We're, and we think we've been offended or somebody intended to offend us and they probably didn't. But all of us have experienced this at some point in time in our life, right? We've been offended uh, by someone. And now what is the inclination? Let's, let's back up a second. When you have been offended, what is your first inclination when you've been offended? What is your first normal reaction to being offended okay hang out and boy we got a lot of offended people all right if y'all listen if you all start yelling out at one time I'm going to be offended okay no uh okay Charles you had something what strike back okay revenge right big or small revenge uh somebody over there Joe was it you that had something Okay, strike back or, or revenge. Get back, okay? You offend me, I'm going to do something back to you. Retaliate on some level, right? All right, somebody else. What's your natural? Okay, uh, go, go silent. I'm just not going to talk to him anymore. All right, okay? Somebody else, you, when you're, what is your natural inclination? Okay, defend myself. Self-defense. Somebody else. You, your, your natural inclination when you've been offended. H how about this? Pout. We, does that kind of cover it? Sort of? Or we, we may get contemplative. What did I do? I don't understand what I did. And, and okay. Uh, we might pout about it a little bit. We might get contemplative. What else might happen to us? Gossip. <laughs> no, I, I, I know you did, but I'm just inferring that you did, uh, Mary. You spiritualized it like we always do. I want you to pray about something. Let me tell you something I need you to pray about. Uh, sometimes we do this to build a case for ourselves too, don't we? I've been offended. So before the person offended me can build a case, I'm going to go build my case. Right? Um, by the way, one of the hardest things to do is just keep your mouth shut. Isn't it? right all right what else anything else this is your natural inclination when you have been offended anything else I, that's a pretty good list i'm i'm not thinking of anything else i'm just I'm trying to, i think that kind of sums it up pretty good don't you that's kind of what we tend to do you got a question mark on your brain there charles i see you Okay. Uh, 
Okay, um, I think I've put that under contemplative. Do I deserve this? Did I do that? Did that, you know, um, uh, are they right? Okay. All right, do you want to add anything else to that list? Speak now or forever. Hold your peace. If you say anything beyond this list, it's going to be offensive. Okay. All right, now, here's the second thing I, I want to do. Now I want to move to this idea. How should you, emphasis on this, how should you respond to someone that has offended you? How should you? I didn't say you do or you will. Maybe you do. I hope you do. But how should you? And we're talking about as a Christian. All right, pray. A soft word turns away anger. Uh, well, she's just trying to make up for gossiping. <laughs> Assault gently. I didn't hit them hard. No, 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 no. Scratch that, people watching. I'm, we're playing. We're... Um, Silence, right? Silence. What else? Uh, Self-composed. Paul said this, he said, I buffet my body. In other words, I, I keep myself under control in the spirit of God. Uh, he said, so I won't disqualify myself. Um, what else? How should you respond? Reflection. Introspection. You know, we talked a little bit about that contemplative... That kind of cuts both ways, doesn't it? There isn't. By the way, we ought to be, in reflection, honest. And honest, sometimes our response might be, you know what? I'm offended by that, but they're actually right. And I'll tell you when it gets really difficult is it when it's somebody that you don't particularly care for, and yet they're right. That's a hard one, isn't it? To respond properly because, you know, they're right, but I, because I, I, I'm not a fan, I, it's worse coming from that perspective. How should you, Spud, you said what? Somebody had to bring that up, didn't you? Forgive. Now, I would argue that's one of the hardest things in the world. Uh, and you have to understand forgiveness. Forgiveness is, we sometimes think forgiveness is an event. Okay, you're forgiven. But I, I want to tell you through the years, uh, the Lord has taught me that forgiveness is an event and a process. So one day, Doug, I forgive you. 
The next day, I get up and I say, man, I'm having trouble. Uh, uh, this is an illustration. Uh, and so the next day, I get up and say, I thought I forgave him, but I'm struggling with that again. So what do I do, class? I forgive. I continue to forgive. I, I forgive you in the moment. And when that moment's gone, I'm going to start that over. I'm going to forgive again. I'm for, and listen, here's what I've learned. And I tell people this in counseling. Forgiveness is a process so I forgive and I keep on forgiving. So I have to practice sometimes. Now, sometimes it's just an event. I just say, Buster, I forgive you. And sometimes it is this ongoing thing, right? It's a long process sometimes. I, am forgi I have forgiven and I am forgiving. And one day, here's what, if you learn that, one day you get down here and you find that you don't battle with that particular aspect of forgiveness with someone that offended you anymore maybe someone else now but it ain't it's not you, you see you will eventually you forgiveness is something that is present tense and so sometimes and and frankly it will oftentimes be predicated on the magnitude of the offense see some things are just pretty simple i i didn't tell you the truth about something i don't worry about it some things may be far more egregious and you just don't go, I oh, don't worry, you're forgetting. You know, and so that may take a process, a long process uh, uh, to forgive. Uh, so, okay, what else should be our response? <laughs> it's really a good question. Uh, can you forgive somebody and yet not have anything to do with them the rest of your life. What is your answer, class? Yes? No? Maybe? Less available. Uh Mary has this gift tonight. Have y'all noticed that? Uh, she calls gossip what uh, just a gentle expression to friends, uh, but uh, less available. Uh, here's what I, I think. I think the answer is yes. If you genuinely forgive, it doesn't. Forgiveness doesn't mean you have to hang out with someone. Make sure though that that forgiveness isn't covering for bitterness because bitterness bitter for, forgiveness will produce anger anger will lead to bitterness and bitterness will destroy you bitterness is one of those emotional uh qualities that uh only damages the person that's bitter it never it never damages the person that is the object of the bitterness you know what bitterness has been compared to? It's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. You think about that. By the way, here's why forgiveness is so important. Since we're on this subject, it's so important. Because if you don't learn how to properly engage in forgiveness, it will make you bitter. And think about this. If the, let's say there's a person who has offended you 
and you are not willing to forgive them. Guess what? First of all, they don't even know it most of the time. Secondly, your inability to forgive them enables them to continue to control you emotionally. So you, and here's what, you want them to know how bad they wounded or hurt you. And the devil says, that's right, they owe you and they should. And, and so what happens is, they don't know, they're going on about how can they be so callous and how can they just go on and just do this. And you know what happens? The devil uses that to produce an anger and a bitterness in you. And guess what? That person is controlling you still. That's why forgiveness is important. Whether they know it or even receive it is irrelevant. Listen, forgiveness is as much about you as it is about the object of forgiveness. Do y'all get that? That a person can be controlling you emotionally. They don't even know it, but because they offended you and you don't know how to process and forgive and and deal with, and I didn't just say that's just an easy thing. I'm not telling you that, and I'm not telling you you can just blow it off and go, ah. But do you understand why forgiveness is so important? It's important for you and I, but it's not easy, and it may be a process in your life. But it is certainly characteristic. That's what's going on in the book of Philemon. Paul, as you will see in the weeks ahead, Paul is asking Philemon, his beloved friend, he is asking him to forgive a man who uh, committed a crime against him. I would argue that there was a crime committed against that guy, but, but he committed a crime, he ran away, he stole from him. And Paul's saying, I want you to receive I want you to forgive him, I want you to receive him back in, but not the way it was. I want you to receive, he's a brother in Christ. And I want you to receive him as a brother in Christ. And so he appeals to him on several levels we'll talk about, but forgiveness. Uh, our time's almost up for tonight, but any other things that you would say in terms of how you, sh how you should respond? Not how we always respond, but how we should respond. Grace. And, and really, those kind of are two sides to the same coin, aren't they? Grace. It... it, it a lot of times it takes grace to be able to do the first, doesn't it? We see grace in this book. There's a, uh, the, the idea of grace is big. What else? Anything else that you ought to do uh, when you respond to somebody that has offended you? the source it is so important to understand let me show you something real quick before we go notice in verse 2 and I'll come back uh, next week and I'll, I'll define some of this but he, he mentions Archippus you see Archippus there what does he call him our fellow soldier now why would he call him a soldier because Paul knows that there's a war going on. He writes about it in Ephesians 6, that there's this spiritual war going on. And so he, he says, Archippus, by the way, the son of Philemon, 
Archippus is a fellow soldier. He's fighting the good fight, the fight of faith. That's what he's talking about there. Why? Because we have to understand that this whole matter of reconciliation is a war. It's a spiritual war sometimes. That's why it's so hard. Um, and that's why the devil will use it. And you have to understand, Mary, you're exactly right. You have to understand when you're battling these things that it's more than just my rights. It is about spiritual warfare. And by the way, forgiveness doesn't mean, back to your question, Buster, that I just, I just have to just say, okay, I'll just, I'll just eat crow, as we like to say down here. Now listen to me, sometimes you may have to eat crow. Um, sometimes you may have to. And what's going to happen when you do is your flesh is going to flare up and say, it's not right, I shouldn't have to do this, I shouldn't have to back off. I'm going to close with a story. Um, a bunch of years ago now, probably uh, close to 30 years ago, um, a woman began to make some, some statements about me that wasn't moral or anything like that in a church I served in about how I had not handled a matter properly. Now, she didn't factor in all that I knew. And by the way, one of the difficulties of a pastor is sometimes they can be accused of not handling stuff and they know things that they can't talk about. And so it can look like they haven't handled something properly when behind the scenes they know I can't tell you what I know kind of thing. Well, this was one of those. And I couldn't, I couldn't say, here's what I'm... But she began to put a bad report out to me to other people in the congregation, which was unbiblical anyway. I had people coming to me from the congregation saying, we love you, Brother Ray, but we heard about blah, 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 and we, it just, it, we were really disappointed that you didn't. I said, now, I had been with Jesus, and my flesh... Want to say, whoa, 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 time out. Let me tell the whole story. Touche. I'm going to just tell the story and then let y'all eat the crow. And, but you know what? I had been with the Lord. I was actually, I was actually had been flying at, from uh, Tampa up to North Alabama where I'd been asked to, to speak for several days. And I'm on the plane. I'm reading my Bible and I'm stewing. Do y'all ever stew? There's a Greek word for that. I don't know what it is, but stew. And I was stewing because I thought this is not right. This is not fair. You've been there. And I'm thinking, God, I, I just probably need to tell the story. And I'm reading my Bible. That's a good thing to do, but sometimes it doesn't give you the answer you want. And I'm ready for God to tell me to draw the sword and cut heads off. And you know what he tells me in his word? He tells me to be quiet. Passage I'm reading talks about being still and waiting on God. I didn't pick it for that. It's one of those things where you say, God, of all passages, that's the one you wanted me reading? And it be still. Know that I'm God. And the Lord whispered my heart on that plane, if you will keep your mouth shut, I will vindicate you. 
You're a preacher. It's hard to keep your mouth shut. See, I'm keeping you overtime. But I did. This went on for a couple of three months. And I would have people come in and say, Pastor, we're so, we're so surprised. that they, they weren't being mean to me, but they were believing a false report. And I thought, I can't, I can't say anything. I want to see God do what God wants to do. And so I did, I, I did finally know what I could say. I, I would say to them this. Well, is it possible there's more to the story? Well, yeah, I guess so. So that's all I'm at liberty to say. The Lord has not allowed me to speak to it. And I, this went on for a while and a while. And then the woman who had made these, she and her husband and her family, put it this way, all of their character was exposed. I didn't do it. But it was exposed. And the rest of the story came out, but not from me. And the very people who had been coming up to me and saying, we're really kind of disappointed that you didn't handle this thing, started coming to me and apologizing. And saying, we're sorry. How, and this is what they said to me. <laughs> How did you keep your mouth shut? I said, only by the Spirit of God. I said, but the Lord told me if I would be quiet, He would vindicate me. And He did. Sometimes the best response is no response. Sometimes, as hard as it is, the best response is to not try to defend yourself or to retaliate and to turn it over to Jesus and let him handle it because he's so much better at it. And sometimes what Jesus wants you to do is express his love and it, the Bible says it's like heaping hot coals of fire upon their heads. I'm not saying that's the right... Look, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have remained silent if he hadn't have told me to. But you've got to be spending time with him so he can tell you what to do, right? And I did have people that knew the situation, not many, who had urged me to declare. And I said, I can't. The Lord has told me to be quiet. He's so much better at taking care of it than we are. Now, Buster, so I can forgive, I used to say it this way, forgiveness doesn't mean I, I want to go to the restaurant and have a meal with them, though. I don't have to want to hang out with them. But what I've got to protect against is not letting even that attitude become internal, anger. well, I forgave them, but I, you know, so you, you have to recognize that. But it doesn't mean you have to say, well, I forgave them, so now to, to demonstrate to the rest of the world I've forgiven them, I've got to hang out with them and act like, uh-uh. No, no. Forgiveness doesn't require that. But just make sure the devil doesn't turn around. Because that can be very disingenuous. And can actually only 
uh, reignite the, the struggle. So sometimes forgiveness means I move on. I, I forgive and I am going to keep forgiving. And when the devil throws it back up at me, I'm going to say that's under the blood. I've forgiven them uh, and I, I've moved on. I'm not hanging with them, but I've moved on. Does that make sense? All right. So in this book, we're going to talk a, a lot about re, uh, uh, relationship reconciliation. Grace, forgiveness, and providence. Okay? Any questions before we go tonight?